And Father, what a joy it is to join our hearts and lives and voices together today and not only sing words like that of praise to you with our lips, with our mouth, but God, thank you that we can sing it from our heart because you have changed our heart. You've given us the opportunity, God, to come into relationship with you. And because of that, we just lift our praise to you. Thank you for a day like this where we can recognize you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. And I pray our hearts and our minds, our ears, our lives will be open to draw close to you on this Easter Sunday morning. In Jesus' name now, we continue to worship. Amen. Amen. Well, as Morgan has already said, Happy Easter. This is a great opportunity today to join in the Spirit of our resurrected Lord and Savior. And I pray that in order to do that with me, you'll open your Bible uh, to Mark chapter 8 as we continue on our journey with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, for Christians, Easter is the greatest celebration day of the year. I love Easter. I know every Sunday, I hope you know this, every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's why we worship on Sunday. But there's just something special about the day that we call Easter, where we join our hearts together with Christians around the world and lift up the name of Jesus. This year at Palmetto Shores, we've been following the life of Jesus through the eyes of the writer of the Gospel of Mark. And Mark described Jesus as the king of the kingdom. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the king of God's kingdom. Usually, the purpose of a king is not to die. But 700 years before Jesus came into the world, in fact, before the foundation of the world, before the world was created, God had this plan and put this plan in motion. But 700 years before Jesus actually became flesh and lived among us, Isaiah the prophet announced that Jesus would fulfill God's purpose. He would die for the sin of man's rebellion against God. In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 6, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. You and I were born in iniquity. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember the first sin you ever committed? No. You can't remember it because you were too young to remember it. You were born into a world of sin. We all were born in a state of rebellion against God. We were born with a rebellious heart. And our sin of rebellion separates us from God. But Easter is the greatest day in history because when God rose Jesus from the dead, when Jesus was raised from the dead, that opened the door for your sin to be totally forgiven. 
So join me this morning as we open our Bibles to Mark chapter 8. I want us to read together verses 31 through chapter 9 and verse 1 to get a context for why we're here today, for why we celebrate a great day like Easter. Mark chapter 8, beginning with verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. This is the word of the Lord to the people of the Lord. And so here's our question for today. For over 2,000 years, people have been asking, Who is Jesus? And the writer of Mark describes the answer to that question is, Jesus is the king of the kingdom of God. So look with me at three reasons. God sacrificed the king of the kingdom and then raised him from the dead after three days. Three reasons. First of all, because of the resurrection, we have complete forgiveness. Verse 31 of Mark chapter 8, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. So Jesus died and rose again so you and I can be fully forgiven for rejecting God. You are guilty of sin. I'm guilty of sin. Are you aware that, that guilt is one of the most powerful enemies, one of the most powerful emotions against human experience today? God sacrificed Jesus and raised him from the grave to forgive your sin and take away your guilt. There's no reason to live life carrying guilt because Jesus died and was raised from the grave to set you free from guilt in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. The Bible says, in Him, talking about Jesus, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness 
of trespasses according to the riches of His grace. So when you put your faith in Jesus, when you truly believe in Jesus and repent of your sin and commit all of your life to knowing and following Jesus, God's grace provides forgiveness and eliminates your guilt from God's eyes. You remember when you were a child playing with an Etch-a-Sketch. You would draw a picture on a little thing called an Etch-a-Sketch, and then you would shake it, and what would happen to that picture that you just drew? It would disappear. And that's what God has done for you and me with the cross and resurrection of Jesus. He's made it possible for our sins to be forgiven and for our guilt to totally be wiped away. Redemption means that you are bought back from the slavery of sin by the precious blood of Jesus. He paid your ransom. He paid the price for the debt of your sin. And resurrection means that you have an opportunity to have new life. New life begin when you repent of your sin and turn away from your sin and commit all of your life to following Jesus. So let me ask you, according to this verse, are you in Jesus today? Or are you still living in your own flesh? Are you still living in your own self? Have you received the redemption that Jesus paid for when he hung there on the cross? Have you applied his blood to your rebellious, sinful heart and your sin against God? Are you living guilt-free by accepting his forgiveness? Are you living in the riches of God's grace today? Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. He paid it all so you can have it all. And I pray that you have completely trusted him today and given him your life today. Jesus hung in pain and humility dying on the cross. And as he hung there dying on the cross, he cried out to God who put him there, Father, forgive them. Jesus paid the price for your forgiveness with his own blood. He paid the price to take away all the guilt from every sin of every person in all the world. And all you have to do is receive that gift and commit the rest of your life to knowing and following Him and living for Him. Well, He had some things to talk to His disciples about, about what that means. As you and I have some things to consider today as well. Because of the resurrection of the King of the Kingdom, we have been forgiven. But secondly, because of the resurrection of the King of the Kingdom of God, We have purpose for life. So who is Jesus? In the first eight chapters of Mark, and especially in these first 30 verses prior to where we started reading today, Jesus is identified as the greatest teacher who ever lived. Jesus was identified as a person who worked miracles in order to establish a reputation and a relationship to show the world, to prove to the world that he was God. Jesus 
was identified as one who was totally misunderstood by the world. I pray that you're not misunderstanding him today. But in Mark chapter 8 and verse 30, the apostle Peter identified Jesus as the Messiah. So what is a Messiah? Well, in the mind of Peter, a Messiah would be one who would be a ruler who would be raised up and raised up to set Israel free from the 800 years of bondage that they had been living under. Jesus took this opportunity to explain who he really was, that he was a different kind of Messiah. Jesus plainly said in verse 31 that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. See, Jesus understood his purpose. He knew exactly what his purpose was. Have you come to understand what your purpose in life is yet? Students in school, have you come to understand what your purpose is? Parents, people in the workforce, retirees here, have you come to understand what your purpose in life is? See, when Jesus was born, the angel said to Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so, 30 years later in our text today, Jesus clearly defined his purpose. He plainly said that the way he would accomplish this purpose would be to suffer and be killed and after three days rise again. Well, this made no sense to Peter. In verse 32, as Jesus said this plainly, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. And turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Jesus saw right through Peter. Peter thought he was standing up for Jesus. Peter thought he would pull Jesus aside and set him straight and say, No, Jesus, you're not going to die. Peter acted like he knew more than Jesus. Let that sink in for a moment. I wonder how many of us are going through our life understanding that God has a perfect plan for our life. He has a purpose for our life. And yet we're pulling Jesus aside and saying, Oh, Jesus, what about this? Uh, I, think, I think I'm going to accomplish this. I think my purpose might be this. Don't be so hard on Simon Peter before putting your life in that circle in the eyes of Jesus. Because when Jesus saw the self-centered motive behind Peter's statement, he called Peter Satan. That pointed out that the mindset of this world is not set on God. Peter's mindset was not set on God. 
And the mindset of this world is not set on God either. Just as Satan is opposed to God, self-centeredness is the opposite of God-centeredness. And anytime your focus is not God first, how does this affect Jesus and my testimony for Jesus first? Then I'm guilty of being identified as Satan as well. And you're guilty of being identified as Satan as well. How are you and I acting like we are making all of life about Jesus when we're really serving our own ego and making it look like we are standing up for Jesus. See, Jesus wanted the entire crowd to get this message, and so he turned away from his disciples. He turned away from just talking to Peter, and he looked at the whole crowd. Look at verse 34. Calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospels will save it. Jesus took advantage of Peter's arrogance and pointed toward the real challenge of what it takes to truly follow him. And you and I need to get this message today. See, the purpose of every life, that's your life, that's my life. The purpose of every life is to live in fellowship with God. And Jesus clearly defined how to fulfill that purpose. The first step, he says, is to deny yourself. What does that mean? To deny yourself simply means that you admit that you are not the center of the universe. That life does not revolve around you. It revolves around a holy God. Peter had this big idea that he and his apostle buddies were going to conquer the world with Jesus as their ruler. He was putting his own will first. Every dream in life that you and I have that starts with me and that starts with you falls into the category of making, making Satan the, the king of our life. And that's a dangerous place to live. Denying self means literally that all of my life focuses on Jesus first. That's why he went to the cross and died for your sin so you could be brought into harmony with God and perfect relationship with God. That's why God raised him from the dead so he could be the center of your life. What does it mean to deny yourself? It means that before choosing where my kids go to school, I pray and say, God, where do you want my kids to go to school? That means before choosing a place to work, you say, God, where do you want me to work? That means that before, if you're not married, before dating a person, you say, God, who do you want me to date? When you're married, you say, God, how do you want my marriage to glorify you and magnify you to the maximum benefit? When you choose where you live, how you live, 
How you earn your money, how you spend your money. Every question in life centers around putting Jesus first. That means deny yourself. Put Him first. But Jesus didn't leave it there. Dying self means putting the reputation of Jesus ahead of my own decision-making processes. Putting Jesus first means making His priorities my priorities. So the first step is to deny yourself. Secondly, then I must take up my cross. To truly follow Jesus, do not expect an easy life. To truly follow Jesus, do not expect to have all of your hopes and wants and expectations met. To take up your cross means that you're willing to lose your life for the sake of the reputation of Jesus Christ first. Taking up your cross means that you're putting Him in the highest area of the priority of your life. So these are difficult words, and Jesus wanted to be honest with His disciples. He wanted to be honest with His followers. Jesus never said it would be easy to take up your cross and deny yourself and follow Him. And that's why proportionately so few, especially today, truly make all of life about Him and truly, truly follow Jesus. So Jesus said, we must count the cost. Look at verse 36. So what, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What difference does all the pleasure and all the possessions and all the power in this world mean? If I lose my soul and spend an eternity separated from God in hell, what is the value of that kind of a life? In verse 37, he says, What can a man give in return for his soul? This was a value question Jesus was asking you and me. I wonder how many people in our world today ever asked that question. How many of us think about the status of our soul? Do we consider every decision we make and how it affects our soul. What are we exchanging for the value of our soul? A couple of questions here. How, how are you investing in relationships? And how do those relationships reflect how you value the soul of human beings? What about how you spend your time? How you invest in other people and invest in the kingdom of God with your time what about how you earn and invest your money how does that reflect the value of the soul not only of your own soul but the soul of people that God expects you to be investing in have you ever fallen into the trap of thinking more about Easter baskets and Easter dinners than about the sacrifice that Jesus made and then God raising him from the dead to give you a chance to have new life, to have real life. That's what Easter's all about. It's about celebrating. 
the death, burial, and resurrection, the new life, the victory that we have in Jesus. So verse 37 is important. What can a man give in return for his soul? In verse 38, whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory of his Father with the holy angels. It, it took a while for these men who heard Jesus say these words, his disciples, to truly catch all that he was about, to truly understand who he was. But after the resurrection, after that first Easter Sunday morning, they traveled all over the world to make sure that 2,000 years later, that today, we still have the truth of the gospel message that calls us to repentance and calls us to put our faith and trust in Jesus and give our lives to following Him. About 33 years after God raised Jesus from the dead in 66 AD, Peter and Paul were both executed for sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ by Emperor Nero. Paul was beheaded and Peter was hung upside down on a cross as his request because he did not feel it was worthy for him to be executed in the same way that Jesus was executed. The Apostle Andrew was crucified in Greece. Thomas was pierced through with a spear by four soldiers while preaching the gospel east of India. Philip was martyred in Asia Minor after leading the wife of the proconsul to Christ and out of resentment, the proconsul had Philip martyred. Matthew was stabbed to death preaching the gospel in Ethiopia. Bartholomew was martyred preaching the gospel in southeastern Arabia. James was stoned to death in Jerusalem. He was stoned and then he was clubbed to death right there in hometown Israel. Simon was martyred after refusing the sacrifice to sacrifice to the sun god in Persia. Matthias, who replaced Judas, was burned to death in Syria. John was cast into a boiling pot of oil, survived that, and was exiled to the island of Patmos where he wrote the Revelation, and then survived that and came back until he was 90 years old. He was the pastor of the church in Ephesus, being tended to by Mary, the mother of Jesus. None of these disciples who heard Jesus that day say, the Son of Man is going to be killed, and then hung on a cross, and on the third day rise again. None of these men were ashamed to stand up for Jesus. And neither should you and I be ashamed to stand up for Jesus. Jesus knew the heart of the people in the first century. He knew their hearts were unfaithful to human relationships and unfaithful to living holy lives before God. And so in verse 38, Jesus boldly challenged the status of their hearts by defining their generation as adulterous and sinful. Let me ask you something. If that generation 2,000 years ago was adulterous and sinful, how do you think God would define our generation today? I think we 
make that generation look great, in my opinion. So what does it mean not to be ashamed of Jesus? Well, most humans have a deep desire not to be embarrassed, not to be put to shame. How openly, publicly, is your devotion to Jesus? Despite the dangers of living the Christian life around the world today, despite the hate that the world directs toward Jesus and his followers today, do you show your love and devotion to him publicly? I mean, I hear people say all the time, well, my faith is a private matter. Not if you know Jesus, it's not. Jesus calls his disciples to a public testimony for him. Are you always willing to live for Jesus out loud, no matter what crowd is around you? Is there anyone who knows you? Who would be surprised if they found out that you were a Christian. Jesus calls his disciples not to be ashamed. When Simon Peter heard the rooster crow. That day of the crucifixion. Surely his life was filled with shame. But praise God. Jesus didn't leave him there. Maybe you've heard the rooster crow in your life. Maybe you're hearing the rooster crow in your life today. Maybe God is calling you out and convicting your heart of being fully devoted to him. I pray that just as Peter did, you will confess that sin, that you will repent while you still have time, and you will let Jesus forgive you and restore you to spend the rest of your life fulfilling your purpose. Of making all of life about Jesus. In Mark chapter 9 and verse 1. He said to them. Truly I say to you. There are some standing here. Who will not taste death. Until they see the kingdom of God. After it has come with power. There's power in the resurrection. And these men. Who stood there that day. And heard Jesus define what it takes to follow him. These same men saw the power of the resurrection when they went to that tomb the first day and saw it was empty. When they walked back on that road to Emmaus and they knelt at the feet of Jesus and worshipped him. They saw him in the upper room for 40 days afterwards. They fellowshiped with Jesus. They knew that the resurrection power of Jesus was real. And that that was where real life and real hope and real security in life is found. So he is, who is Jesus? He is the provider of purpose. Not only do we have complete forgiveness in Jesus, not only do we have a purpose in Jesus, but finally and quickly this morning, because of the resurrection of the King of the kingdom, we have power over fear. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. When Jesus arose from the grave, when he conquered death, 
He destroyed the power of all fear. The greatest fear that most people have on this earth is the fear of death. And the resurrection of Jesus took away that fear, abolished that fear. Last year, when my brother-in-law died from COVID-19, the day that he entered the hospital, here's what he said, and I quote, If I survive and live, I win. If I die and go to Jesus, I win. Either way, I win. Do you know Jesus today? Because only if you know Jesus do you have that kind of power. Not only did my brother-in-law have that kind of power over fear. All 12 of the apostles who were faithful to Jesus had power over the kind of death that they died because they had no fear because of the resurrection. They had the testimony of walking with Jesus and they knew that death had no sting. That death had no victory over them. And they knew that God would never stop loving them because Jesus is Alive. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, no fear in death, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Saved from what? Saved from separation from God in eternity in hell. Saved from the fear of death. Saved to live a life in victory. While we live every day here on this earth after choosing to make Christ the Lord of our life. The cross and the resurrection validates everything that God promised. And validates the fact that you can't make God stop loving you. How much does He love you? Enough to give His life to substitute His blood for the penalty of your sin. Just as the disciples saw the kingdom of God come with power, and they did, I pray that you will experience the fullness of that same resurrection power of Jesus today. If you've never trusted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, don't let today pass without committing your life to Him. Don't let today pass without you saying, I want to make the rest of my life count fulfilling that purpose that I have, receiving the forgiveness that Jesus has offered me, and living the rest of my life with no Fear, no fear. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the resurrected King of the kingdom of God. You can know Him personally. Make sure you know Him personally today. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. Is that you? Do you believe 
Jesus was rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and was killed. And after three days, rose again so you could be forgiven. So you could fulfill your purpose. So you could live with power over every fear that the world might throw at you, including death. And live victoriously, knowing that God loves you supremely. On Easter, the greatest words that have ever been spoken were spoken as the witnesses stood there at the tomb and heard the angel say, He is not here. He is risen. And I want to challenge you to join me today in living in that resurrection power of Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart, man believes and is justified. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. God, I thank you today for Easter. I thank you for calling us to believe. To believe in the power of your resurrection. Thank you for shedding your blood to pay for the price of the forgiveness of our sin. And I pray that not one person will leave here today without saying, yes, I believe from this day forward. I trust Jesus to forgive me of my sin. From this day forward, I want to make all of life about Jesus. And for those of us who are doing that right now, and for those of us who have already done that, God, we lift our voices of praise and celebration to you in worship. In Jesus' name now, we stand together and we worship. Amen and amen.